we, we covered verses 14. I want to pick up there. Seeing then, chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Rolling right into chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he's required as for, as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. See, the author now picks up this concept of the high priest, which we said began in chapters 3 and 4. The clip referenced this first uh, reference to Christ as our apostle and high priest. And then this last clip at the end of chapters 3 and 4 again referenced us holding the confession of our high priest, Jesus Christ. And so now we're leaving chapters 3 and 4 and we're stepping off into chapter four, 5, but we're still going to develop this idea of the high priest. And so we're going from there. Now, friends, I got to tell you something here that uh, full disclosure... I'm a little concerned entering into this particular text. And I'll only give you half of the disclosure this week. I should say half disclosure, then shouldn't I? In my journey, in my walk with the Lord, there came a point 45 years ago. It could have been. I, haven't, I would have no way to verify on the calendar, but it could very well have been 45 years ago today. I had begun to attend a church that was founded solely upon the scriptures. It's called a Bible church back in the suburbs of, of Chicago. And uh, initially, my brother was trying to get me to attend there. I didn't want to attend. I was like, I already go to a church. I got a church. I got a church. Till he said this, he said, Gary, there are people who love you and accept you for who you are. I went, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Because church was just something you had to do. And uh, I was like, Okay, well, I'll try that. I've got to go to church somewhere. I'll try that church. I found it was absolutely true. There were people who loved me, accepted me for who I was. They cared that I was in church. Wow. So now I'm sitting under the Word of God in a new and fresh way, and I'm listening. And I could sense that I'm being nudged away from the tradition in which I was raised, for which I am not speaking ill. You understand that? This is my journey I'm talking about and how God worked in my life. And it is in no way to speak ill of anything else. It's just, I'm telling you my story. And as I'm realizing something is going to change here, something's different, I was, I was concerned I, I, about, well, where does, my, where does this tradition I was raised in, where does it fit into my experience now? And I did something which in that experience, you, you just, I, it just wasn't happening within our church. I'm not saying it wasn't happening in other churches, with the church of my upbringing. And I actually carried a Bible to church so that when the individual came to that point in the service where he was going to uh, share a homily or a sermon, a message, I opened up my Bible and I turned to the passage that he was speaking from. Never had done that before. Never carried a Bible into that, into, into that service. In fact, didn't own a Bible up until I started attending this church. It was very Bible-centered in its approach. Now, 
The guy that was speaking then, we're talking 45 years ago, the guy that was speaking then is definitely younger than I am now. And why I can remember this this many years later, I don't know. But I do. I remember he said at the beginning of what he was going to share. People asked the question as to how is it or why do we have this thing known as a priesthood? And he was going to answer that question from Hebrews chapter 5. So I open my Bible and I follow with him. And I found, this is just my perception, it seemed like what he was saying wasn't quite squaring with what my Bible was saying. Forty-five years later, I didn't know then, 45 years later, I would stand in front of a group of people in northwest Minnesota and I would turn to that very same passage. Now let me tell you, full disclosure, what I'm concerned about. Simply pride. Pride. It amazes me. It just amazes me how quickly pride can well up in my spirit. See, because then I didn't quite understand why I didn't think things were adding up. But now, when I've got the theological training to match his, I've got 45 years more of being in the scriptures. I can say I know where things went wrong. And so it'd be very easy to stand up here and take an approach of correcting what was said then. See, and then feel real good about myself that I preached the word. I don't want to do that. So I'm concerned that pride could so quickly well up because I know that we're going to handle this differently than what was handled then, the first time I ever brought a Bible into those services. And I know that I was being prodded to say something isn't quite right here. So pray for me. Because um, it's real, the pride that wants to, wants to just jump up. All right, so what we're going to look at today, hopefully with a spirit honoring to the Lord, what we want to look at today is simply qualifications for our great high priest. Introduced in chapters 3 and 4, now we're going to develop it further. And what are the qualifications? And we find every high priest... Verse 1, taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Verse 4, no man takes his honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. The first qualification for being the high priest under that Old Testament Levitical system, he's qualified by his calling to do the task. In verse 1 where it says every man taken from among men is appointed for men, the word literally means is, is to stand by or to stand with. He's placed there to stand by, stand with in a particular position. That is, with men. To stand by, to stand with men or for men in things pertaining to God. Very interesting. Very interesting. I do not have time to go into it. If you want to join me sometime later, I'll gladly take you into the original language on it. But back 
here where we were told in verse 13, you won't have it show up, that as the Word of God reveals who we really are, both our hearts and our intents, all things are naked and open to the accounts of Him to whom we must give account. We were to give an account. We have to give an account after God reveals who we are. Now we've got to give an account of ourselves, our word to Him, to God. This right here, where it says we are appointed for men in things pertaining to God, is appointed for men to God again. So here's the picture that I'm trying, that I believe is being drawn for us. And that is the word reveals to us that we are hopelessly guilty before a holy God. We have nothing to say. But then God appoints a high priest who comes and speaks on our behalf. He stands next to us. He's appointed to stand next to us. And he will stand before God. And the way that he comes into God's presence, the way he is able to find access into God, is because he now represents us by taking the offerings that we bring. They could be blood offerings of animals. They could be grain offerings that they took from their crops. But we would bring them to the priest. Now, we can't bring them into the holy place and the holy of holies. We're not qualified to do that. So we bring them to the entrance. The priest then takes them. And on our behalf, he takes them in a little further. And then once a year, the high priest, representing all of us, takes it all the way into the Holy of Holies. We'll see all of that in time to come in this book. But the priest, that was his task. That gives us some sense of an understanding of what the role of the priests were just in these few verses. They stood in our place, offering our sacrifices so that they might be received by God. First thing that we note about them though, is that they're appointed to this. God provides the high priest, stands with us when we got to give an answer to him. But this guy, ultimately, he doesn't take this upon himself. Verses 1 and 4 both say that. Some things you just can't take for yourself. Uh, Thursday night, there was a game in Crookston. Really fun to watch the boys play. They uh, had been down by 17 points. They brought it back within two points. It was so exciting at the end of the game. We were all standing and cheering. It was great. They didn't win, but it was a good time. It was really a good time. And I leave the gym ready to go home, and I step out of the gym, and right in front of me is Dustin Munzerbrotten and Cole Dahl. Now, if you know anything about basketball history in New Folden in the freeze, okay? All right? They're both heroes to this. I'm like, dude, this is my chance. Here's my opportunity, finally, finally, to be cool, because I've never had it before. So they're talking to each other. I come up right behind them. I stand in the middle of them. I said, guys, guys, I just got to get a little of that coolness for myself here. Is that okay? Just let me stand here for a few minutes, and, and, and people will see I'm cool. Now, so I've stepped up. There's one each way. We're looking that way, and in the, in, in the hundred people that had to be in front of us, I don't know one of them. What good is it to be cool if people who know you don't know how cool you are, or, or don't, if only people who don't know you don't realize how cool you really are? So I'm like, dude, this is frustrating. I am literally looking around for a face of somebody will recognize and see that I'm just drawing this coolness into my life. Robin comes along. She sees what's happening. She reads it immediately. She says, what? You're trying to be cool by standing with those guys? I said, exactly. <laughs> but there's nobody here who can uh, help me, uh, who can understand it, recognizes how cool it is to stand between these two guys. So she said, hey, get out your phone. 
Go ahead, Preston. Have you got this for us? Take a picture. Yeah. Now I am cool. You can see it, right? There I was just drawing the coolness in. So when I walked away, that's good, buddy. When I walked away from those two, my shoulders are held back. I know, man, I'm really cool now because I just drew it from then. And of course, there's not one young person in this room who thinks for a moment I got cool because I was with them. Because you know what? You can't just take coolness to yourself from somebody else. It doesn't work that way. And that's what we're hearing about the high priest. You can't just take it for yourself. It's not something you just say, I think I'm going to be the high priest this year. You have to be appointed by God. That's the first qualification. Second qualification, not only is he qualified by his calling, he's qualified by his failing Because we go back into verse 2. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. He understands by his own failings this one who brings on our behalf these sacrifices under that old system who would have brought the sacrifices understands his, his own failings. In fact, with the word therefore subject to weaknesses literally means to wear around, to wear around. So picture this. Remember when Jesus said about those who offend little ones that it would be better if a millstone were hung around their neck and to be cast into the sea than to offend one of the little ones? Picture that. Have your worn around this weight around them. That's the same word. That is the same word as what the writer here says that... Um, uh, he's subject to weaknesses. He's wearing them around his neck, and they are a weight. And because of that weight of his own sin, one, he's got to offer sacrifice for himself first. Uh, verse 3 tells us <laughs> he's got to already offer sacrifice for himself before he can enter into offering sacrifices to stand next to us. But two, When he gets to that point, having offered sacrifices for himself, and now he's got to offer them on our behalf, he can have compassion because he understands from one sinner to another. Yet, this is really who we are. We are just sinners. And before the holy God represented in the holy of holies who said he would meet with them over the mercy seat, all of us are guilty. Every last one of us has our problems with sin. Monday night, we had just a great night, Monday night. You could read about it in the bulletin, put in a long account of it. We said goodbye to a guy by the name of Terry. Terry's been with us since I don't know when he started, but he told us Monday night. From the time he came, he's never missed a night. It's one of the guys that comes with Mark's team from STS. We were delighted to have him. And he thanked us for welcoming him into the group and making him feel a part of the group. He said, Terry, you are a part of the group. Sure, you, your situation, your life situation brought you into the court system. That's fine. But guess what? You know, we've all messed up. We all got stuff, Terry. You're just standing here among a bunch of other men who simply all realize, man, we got stuff. We're broken. And... Uh, we got no place to sit in judgment on you, Terry. We just appreciate having had you. Yeah, you're, you're part of us because you're just another sinner like we are. And that's why we encourage him, Terry. 
The only hope any of us claim here is Jesus Christ. We encourage you to keep seeking him. That's all we had. We prayed for him. It was a great night. It was a great night. Parents, think about this. Parents with these wonderful children that, that we just dedicated here, or any of us raising children, or even we've got adult children and they're making decisions. We might want to think about this verse, why the high priest could have compassion on sinners like us because he himself was beset with sin, parents. We've got to remember, when our kids do some things that really disturb us and distress us and anger us and maybe pick at our pride, let's not forget what we were like and what we are like, parents, so that we too can have compassion. The word compassion literally means measured feeling. Isn't that crazy? Measured feeling. So that we don't just just explode on our kids because they did something that we didn't like. We just explode on them. We go off on them. No, our response is measured and it has understanding with it. And we know, guess what? They're just fallen, broken kids like I was a fallen, broken kid. (laughs) Why? They got it from me. I see something in their nature I don't like. Where'd they get it from? They got it from me. (laughs) So I can be compassionate as I need to instruct them and direct them. So those are the two qualifications for being the high priest. One, his calling. Two, his failing. But then Jesus, we find, takes it to an entirely new level as the passage goes on. He takes this whole high priest thing to a whole new place. Verse 5, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. That's a quote from Psalm 2. As he also said in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That's a quote from Psalm 110, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and having been perfected he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek now as as the author turns to write about Christ and to draw this parallel between Christ and the Aaronic priests of the Old Testament you'll notice just as he began in verses 1 and 4 he said this calling is very significant He says of Jesus Christ, he too was called. And quoting from from Psalm 2 and from Psalm 110, and then he finishes with verse 10, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So Christ was was appointed to his position as high priest. But I'm saying he takes it to a whole new level. What's the whole new level? First of all, he's a high priest forever according to Psalm 110, whereas the other high priest served for a time and stepped down. He's a high priest forever. And he's a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That'll be explained for us in chapter 7. But it's an entirely different and far more significant thing than the high priest of the Aaronic uh, priesthood. So that's one. Christ was appointed to his position of high priest. And then, the next thing, Christ was perfected in his position of high priest. Now, as it relates to sin, friends, that's what we need to be thinking about, right? Right? And being sympathetic with us. Remember the high priest of the, of the Aaronic Covenant? Okay, He could be sympathetic because before he offers for our, the gifts we've brought, before he can offer on our behalf, he has to first offer on his behalf. So he goes, dude, I'm with you. I know what it's like to be a sinner. Yeah, I need, I need the same cleansing first, and then I'll come back and, and we'll do the work for you. 
But as it relates to sin and being sympathetic with us, Christ is a sin bearer as opposed to a fellow sinner. And that's why he's taken it to a whole new level. He's a sin bearer. He offered himself. In the old system, we brought this animal. It would be slain. Its blood would be poured out. And it would have some efficacious value for a yearly system. And every year we'd have to reduce some things. And, and we brought this animal. Christ, when he stood there as our high priest, brought himself. And he became the sacrifice. And again, we'll see that explained for us in its implications when we're a little further on down the line. But he was the offering itself. And it says that he, he learned obedience by what he suffered. See, he was perfected in his position as high priest. And when it says that, that um, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, verse 8, and having been perfected, we've touched on this word once before, it was earlier in the book of Hebrews, this is not a moral perfection. We've already been told in the previous chapter that he was tempted in every way like as we are, yet without sin. The perfection that he has is this perfection of being able to relate and understand what we, what we go through. To be able to relate and understand the weight, the ugliness, the death that surrounds sin. Because he now was going to experience it on our behalf. And the text says, you know, he cried out to God. He looked for another way to be delivered from this thing. If there was any other possible way. And God heard him. The text says very clearly, he heard him. God heard his cries, yet the only way for him to carry out his high priestly calling was to be our sin bearer. Though the Father heard him, he still needed to be obedient to the Father's request that he become our sin bearer. And now his experience of sin is in all the fullness and all the darkness and all the ugliness and that he bore our sins to the cross. He alone, no one else like him. That's why we keep insisting and saying and re-saying in case we missed it at a baby dedication. Um, they need to come to Christ one day because there's a high priest who has borne their sin already and he's offered the perfect sacrifice. And what does God ask of us it says, he became, verse 9, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. All he asks, if you think about this, he asks one thing. That as God has laid out this entire redemptive plan, as God has made Christ available, as Christ has stood there appointed for us to stand with us, to bear our sin by becoming the sacrifice himself, in obedience to his Father, he then says to us, no, will you please obey? Now, if you go back to chapters 3 and 4, we don't have time to look at it. Go back to chapters 3 and 4. You'll see there's almost, as we ran through those two chapters, they just almost seem to intertwine obedience and faith. A faith that leads us to act in a, in a particular way. A faith that, as it was, was describing it for the Old Testament people who came out with Moses, they didn't have a faith. They wouldn't believe God so they could trust him to take them into the promised land. So they disobeyed him because their faith was not sufficient. To trust God for that. And the exhortation was to us, trust God. That our faith is sufficient. That what our high priest accomplishes for us, he's already done it all. Just ask us to believe that. 
to embrace that, to hold to that confession. So here's what we come down to, friends. First, as we saw about the sword, or the word, remember? He convicts us with his word. He opens us up. He reveals that exactly who we are, and it doesn't look good. Then he enthrones grace and bids us to come to find mercy and help and grace for our time of need. The need is clear. The word reveals our need. Then he puts throne, grace on the throne and says, it's okay. It's okay in that there is something for you. The something for us is ultimately he appoints Jesus Christ as our high priest to stand beside us in order to present to God on our behalf not grain offerings and bull offerings but his very own blood. The perfect sacrifice. And he does it in obedience to the Father when he would have liked to have had a different way but there was no other way. So he does it in obedience to the Father and then simply turns to us and says, could, could you do a little obedience here too? Here's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to believe and trust me. Believe that what I've done is efficient, is effective for you, sufficient for you. And then trust me, hold to me as your only high priest, your only one able to save you from sin. He's done everything for us. And friends, I just want to ask the question again. Because the writer to the Hebrews is deeply concerned that we get this. If Jesus is the example of obedience, because that's the same word that, that says he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. If he is the example of obedience, that as God instructs him, he follows. We're instructed to simply believe him, believe who he is, believe what he's done, and by faith embrace it for ourselves, confess it for ourselves. I've got to ask the question, why would we not? Do you see how all the work has been done? Do you see how all the heavy lifting has been done? Do you see how this high priest stands beside us and speaks to the Father on our behalf through the blood which he has shed and the sacrifice which he has made? Do you see how all the work is done? Why would we not? And I want us, if we're at a place where we have not responded to who Christ is and what he's done on our behalf, to ask that question very carefully. Why? Why have I not so the scripture would provide a couple of things for us to consider. And I'm not saying we can touch on everything that might speak to your need. But uh, one is, you know, the Bible says a carnal mind is enmity with God. I just don't want it because I want to go my own way. Because I want to do it my own way. And if I enter into this Jesus thing and let him be my high priest and confess him, well, my life may change. Amen, our life will change. Hallelujah. Get out of the darkness that we're in. The Bible also says men love darkness because their deeds are evil. I don't, want, I don't want something to change. I want to do it my way. Romans speaks of those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because they didn't want to keep God in their knowledge. See, friends, the issue is not, the issue is not whether or not what Christ has done is effective, whether or not it has been revealed clearly, whether or not um, he is willing to serve as our high priest, whether or not there's grace and mercy to find help in time of need, whether or not we have a need. Those are not the issues. The issues we struggle with are internal in a battle with God. I'm not real thrilled about bending the knee, so I'm going to try and find another solution, but the scripture would say there is no other solution. So friends, 
want to speak to anybody here today, and I have no idea who you are. You maybe have been sitting in this pew for 30 years. Because I don't know. I want to ask us all to consider this. Why would we reject this one who has done it all on our behalf? Why would we reject eternal life? Why would we reject grace, mercy, and help? What is preventing us from entering that place where we say, Lord Jesus, it's time I quit fighting. I need you. I need you as my high priest. I need you to stand beside me to answer to a holy God. You're my only hope. I'm going to pray that God gives us wisdom to know why we're resisting. He gives us freedom from that resistance. Let's pray. Father, I don't know, I don't know who here has never entered into the wonders of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We prayed for it that these little children will know it soon in their lives. But Father, there may be 10, 20, 30 spread throughout this congregation right now who have always had an excuse why to embrace Jesus Christ and his work on the cross is not for them. I pray you you help us by your word, Father, to examine our lives, to understand why, to understand the seriousness of resisting him and thinking somehow we can come out of this okay without Christ as our high priest before you to represent us before you, Father. And I pray by your Holy Spirit you will break down strongholds and that the evil one will lose control over people this morning, Father, who have been kept in darkness and enslaved to sin. But the light and the truth of Jesus Christ will shine upon our hearts that each one of us might leave here celebrating the magnificence of new life in Jesus Christ. I ask it in his precious name.